You're listening to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com. What's going on, everybody? This is the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ty Daubert. We're coming at you on this Wednesday with a brand new episode. You know, since we last recorded last week, um, some, you know, some things have gone down for the Phillies. Last week, the Phillies uh, were on their winter tour where a couple players and Joe Girardi, they went around to different uh, cities, towns, and events before they, you know, head down to Clearwater for spring training. So I covered one of those events uh, in Reading. It was the Baseball Town Caravan. So we're going to talk about that. Girardi had a lot to say, and I'm looking forward to going over that. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Johnny Heller. So before we get into the Phillies talk, I want to know, Johnny, how you doing, man? You know, Ty, not too bad. Uh, we just finished up a pretty awesome interview that everyone's going to be listening to after we talk Phillies baseball with uh, Connor Hinchliffe, who we had on, uh, what, two, three months ago? Yeah, so. Yeah, we had him on near the beginning of our you know tenure of doing this podcast we had him pretty early on and it was good to touch base with connor hinchliffe once again and we'll have that for you on the latter half of this podcast but like you said first we're going to talk some phillies so um why don't we get into that and then we'll have the interview for you guys afterwards um like i said phillies winter tour happened Girardi had a lot to say. Uh, one of the more important things that I got out of covering the Baseball Town Caravan was, you know, Vince Velasquez, Roman Quinn, and, Girard- and Joe Girardi were present. Uh, they did interviews. They were available to the media. And Joe Girardi talked that about having a competition for the fifth starter spot. Some of the obvious names that may be involved for that competition include... Nick Pavetta, Vince Velasquez, uh, maybe on the outside, somebody like Cole Irvin, uh, Damon Jones, Eniel De Los Santos, or maybe somebody who, um, you know, was in AAA last year and has a little bit more of an outside shot of getting that spot. I, I then talked to Vince Velasquez afterward, and he said that he expects to win the spot win that fifth starter spot, he's ready to compete for it. But in his mind, he thinks that he's capable of winning it, which is what you would want to hear as a team, that you want your guys to be ready to compete. So, Johnny, I want to know who you think um, will win the fifth starter spot, what you think Vince's role could be going forward, and if you just what you think of the competition in spring training overall uh, for this fifth starter spot. Yeah, I think it'll be very, very intriguing. Um, the the difference between Velasquez and Pavetta. I mean, you know, Velasquez has had this would be his fifth year as a starter with the Phillies, right? Yeah, yeah, fifth year. And Pavetta, this would I guess it would technically be his fourth, but um, it would he's definitely been given less opportunity, and you could argue, I mean. I, it's pretty objective. He has better stuff. Neither have earned the role based on their what they've accomplished in the majors. So 
Um, I think it'll come down to one of those two guys, unless they both look horrible in spring training, um, which I don't. I don't expect that would be the case. I think they've both probably worked pretty hard this offseason. Um, another name that you didn't uh, uh, mention that I recall reading in a Philadelphia Inquirer article, I think last week, that Girardi had mentioned is Ranger Suarez. Um, I would maybe give him a higher chance than, than someone like Damon Jones just because he has the major league experience. And honestly, he looked pretty good as a you know a, a long man out of the bullpen last year i don't i don't think it'll be anyone other than velasquez or pavetta but that's just another guy to keep an eye on um and it, i think another thing interest another interesting thing will just be to see how they handle it maybe they think that they don't have a guy who who could be a typical starter but they decide to you know use an, an opener for for one of the, those guys or, or whatever it may be yeah, it's it. I agree that it'll probably come down to Velazquez and Pavetta for that last spot. And something I just said to Johnny before we started recording here is that it, it was weird that you know they seem to put a lot of faith in Pavetta entering 2019. You know they made him the the number two guy in the rotation. You know he pitched the second game of the season. He was their number two going in. And then after just a handful of bad appearances, he was sent down to the minors uh, due to poor performance. And Velazquez was also not very good. And, you know, he was demoted for a little bit to the bullpen, not to AAA, but he was sent down, sent to the bullpen. Uh, but it just doesn't seem like they handled both of those situations exactly the same. I don't know if that means that maybe the organization kind of thinks that that Velazquez is a bit more steady. I think because of making making Pavetta the number two, they think he has higher upside, but I think they kind of understand what they're getting out of Velazquez, if that makes sense. But yeah, like, like I, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think Velazquez was actually, he had like some pretty solid stretches where, you know, he'd give you four or five starts in a row of five innings, five or six innings pitch, two or three earned runs, which, like, unless you're, you know, the Houston Astros, your number five starter isn't going to be great. And, um, you know, if the it'd be one thing if the rest of the Phillies rotation was full of sure things, but, you know, we may be heading into a season where, you know, Zach Eflin doesn't look like he did last year or Jake Arrieta doesn't stay healthy. And all of a sudden, they're going to be relying on more and more guys. Uh, so, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how the rotation shakes out in general. I just don't think the fifth starter is the problem. I think the, the, the problem is that they don't have, you know, three and four guys who, you know, slot in and are going to be consistent performers that they know, you know. Yeah, I, I'd agree there. Um, you know, the three, four with Arietta and Eflin, definitely an issue Somebody that we have not mentioned that could maybe help that issue a little bit is Spencer Howard, the Phillies' top pitching prospect. Um, the reason we have not touched on him yet is because it does not seem like he will really compete for the fifth starter job out of spring training. Maybe that's to change, but right now it feels like he'll start out of the minors and slowly work his way 
closer to the majors. The reason that is is because in in Reading last week, Joe Girardi was asked um, during a question and answer session. He was asked, uh, you know, what he expects of Spencer Howard if Spencer Howard could help the team this year. And Girardi said he thinks that that Spencer Howard will help this at some point this year. He didn't know when. And then he noted that, uh, you know, Howard was hurt last season. He only pitched around 100 innings. And then he said he'd only expect 140 to 150 innings out of Howard this year. And then the Phillies assistant GM, Scott Profrock, he chimed in quickly and said maybe less. So, you know, that that's still more innings than than uh, Howard has ever pitched in his career before, but 140 or less innings is not exactly, um, you know, a huge workload. So I, what my guess is, is that they will start him in the minors with maybe a six-man rotation, um, you know, don't overwork him in the beginning, but still get some innings in, and then they'll bring him up later in the season and because of the, you know, less work that he gets in AAA to start the year, he'll have innings left in the tank so that they can have him late in the season and, you know, in from their perspective, hopefully in the playoffs as well. Yeah, I think, uh, like you said, they're going to, it's going to be slow. Um, and I think just watching Spencer Howard, I was watching some clips from him from the minors this morning he he's clearly going to help i think he's he's probably close to ready um for the majors but like you said he he they don't want to overwork him i think that something they they could do i know you asked uh girardi about um how he feels about the opener and and kind of more unique forward-thinking ways that major that managers have have handled you know, rotations of bullpens and all that. And I think something that the Phillies maybe could explore, at least should explore, is is maybe piggybacking Howard with Velasquez. Obviously, Velasquez is a guy who is good the first two times through the order, and then they're looking to limit Howard's, Spencer Howard's innings, and that could make sense um, on both fronts. So it's just something like that uh, to keep his innings down so that, they could use him through October without having to worry about, you know, you know, remember Strasburg in 2012, you don't want to have to shut him down or, or something like that. No one wants to see that. Yeah, that would, that would definitely be a disaster for their playoff hopes. I think that the fans would definitely go a little bit nuts about that. So that, that's probably a uh, a situation that the team will want to avoid, which is why they're most likely going to limit the innings early on so they don't have to have him miss the playoffs if they were to to make them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Um, another thing that Girardi said that was notable in Reading, in another question-and-answer thing from a fan, they asked if they were trying to find Scott Kingery one position to play. You know, many fans have clamored for Scott Kingery to play second base and stick at second instead of playing all over the diamond. And Girardi said that he wants to find Kingery one position, which would be 
a little bit different from what he's done so far in his career. I don't know if that is the right move, but it seems to be what they at least would like to do. So I want to know what you think about um, finding Kingery just one position. So I've been thinking about this because you and I talked about it last week. Um, And I think that if the Phillies, you know, if they were confident that they had uh, players at every position that they knew would be able to play every day and then they could kind of use Kingery in that super utility role where, you know, he plays one day, this guy gets rest, he plays another day, this guy gets rest, then I think they'd be comfortable doing that. Uh, I just, I think maybe this reflects on the fact that more so that maybe they're not confident that Adam Hazley is the guy for center field or, you know, if Alec Bohm can play third base. It's probably, if anything, it's probably center field um, with Hazley. I just, I don't think it's a matter of, I know Girardi said we want to find a position for Kingery to find a position for Kingery. I think if anything, that's just pandering. And I think that while that may be true, it may be more so for the fact that the the Phillies are going to need him at a specific position because the likelihood that everything works out with, you know, Hazley and center. And that's, I mean, I'm, I'm focusing on Hazley and center, but you know, even Skur at second and Gregorius at short, things could go wrong. And I just think that they don't anticipate to use him at the super utility role because that's not gonna be the case. Like it's super unlikely that everyone's playing well. Yeah, that that's true. Um, and I just think, I know he said he wants to find one position for Kingery, and I just don't think it's going to happen. Even, you know, they want to start him every day at third base to start the year. Halfway through the season, they have a top prospect knocking at the door in Alec Bohm, who plays third base, at least at this point, and Kingery is going to have to move somewhere else. I just, it's very doubtful that he's going to be a regular penciled in at the same position every day. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I, yeah, again, we, me and Ty debated about this earlier this week, and I just don't think the quote means anything because I think it's something that, you know, some Phillies fans might want to hear, and Girardi knows that. Uh, but it's just, it's not really, like, how are they going to possibly play Kingery at one position for, you know, the entire season? That's just not, it's not going to happen. I just don't buy into the quote. You know, if, if we see that it's somehow the case at the end of the season, then I will take this back. But I just, I take the entire quote with a grain of salt. Yeah, I think that they want, I think that Girardi at least wants to do it, but I just don't think it's possible. There's definitely probably some pandering to the fans that were at the event. But I do believe that they would like to find him, at least Girardi would like to find him one position. But like I said, I just don't think it's going to happen that way. Um, Another interesting thing that Girardi has said over the last week or so, he went on Sports Radio 94 WIP um, with the morning show there with Angelo Cataldi, and he said some things about finding set bullpen roles and, you know, finding finding someone who would be your closer, um, you know, each and every day and just kind of finding some regularity there. So I want to know who you think will be the, uh, you know, who will be penciled into every role 
if things go right for the Phillies going forward. Yeah, I would be shocked if Hector Neris wasn't the closer. Um, there's just no reason for him not to be. He was awesome last year, and you know he had a, a couple shaky outings, but who doesn't other than Mariano Rivera? But you know, like I just think he's the closer. Um, and then eighth inning, I think it'll be a mix of a couple of guys. I think they hope it's Sir Anthony Dominguez. Um, it's a matter, you know, can he return to where he was in 2018? Um, so Dominguez, Jose Alvarez was really the, the eighth inning guy last year. Um, and I think, or at least, you know, at some point, sometimes he was used as a one or two batter guy, but oftentimes he pitched the eighth. I think he'll probably be a seventh or eighth inning guy. Um, I'm intrigued to see what happens with Adam Morgan because I don't remember the splits exactly, but I I, I know lefties had like a 454 on bait or sorry OPS against him last year, and then righties killed him. And now that with the three battle rule, you can't really just use him as a, a loogie. So you know, will he succeed in a role in which he has to face three batters or pitch a whole inning? I don't know. Like if he if he can figure out how to pitch to righties. He could be a 7th or 8th inning guy, um, a high leverage guy. Um, I think that Nick Pavetta or Vince Velasquez, whichever of those guys, I think that that the Phillies are still high on both of those guys in at least you know some regard. I mean, they, they're paying Vince Velasquez $4 million, $4 million this year um, to keep him around so that they have faith in both of those guys. And I think both of them have the stuff to be high leverage situation guys. They both flashed that last year out of the bullpen, at least being able to get strikeouts out of the pen. And then um, just another name, Victor Arano, uh, who was good in 2018, disappeared last year. Injury, he would he think appeared in like four games, but he's another guy who, if things go right, he could be a seventh or eighth inning guy. And then, you know, moving past that, you have guys like Ranger Suarez who will fill out and and handle things in the, the lower... Um, leverage games when starters are chased early or whatever. But, yeah, I think those are really the high leverage high leverage guys that are going to be. Yes, um, I, I'd agree there. Maybe if Sir Anthony's Dominguez, Sir Anthony Dominguez's spring goes really well, they make him the closer, but I'd still say it's definitely Hector Neris's job at this point. He was, like you said, really good at, at it last year. And Dominguez, I think his days as a multiple-inning reliever are probably behind him, left in 2018 mostly. Um, You know, 2018, it seems like maybe the use that they had of him might have contributed towards his injuries that he has had. And so I'd say he's probably a 7th or 8th inning guy. Uh, Alvarez is probably, like you said, a 7th, 8th inning guy. Um, I don't know if Morgan can can adapt to that. That's going to be something that's interest, interesting to see. He also yeah. he also didn't face righties that, that much. Yeah. It felt like he was mostly a, a one-out guy last season. You, you hope that he worked on a changeup or something this offseason. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um but his slider is really good. His slider yeah. was really His slider good is filthy. I tweeted about it this morning because 
hit batters hit like I don't remember what it was, but they had a slugging percentage under 200 against it because it's a ridiculous pitch. Yeah, for sure. So Adam Morgan was kind of a surprise-ish uh, sort of breakout last season before he got hurt. Yeah. And he, well, he was really good. 2018, Adam Morgan gave up that walk-off grand slam to Jason Hayward. Yeah, yeah. and you really should not be giving up home runs to <laughs> Jason Hayward, who made however much money by I, what, being what good at right field. What year is it for getting home runs up to Jason Hayward? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it for the news that we've gotten out of Joe Girardi in the last week or so. Like we hinted at earlier, we have a really awesome interview that we did that is coming up. So stick around. Uh for the second half of this podcast, we talked to Philly's relief pitching prospect, Connor Hinchliffe, again. He's been working out at Driveline Baseball, and he's in Washington right now. And he, he, called, he called us, talked to us. We had a really fun interview. So stick around for that. Thank you guys for listening. What's going on, everybody? This is the Phillies Nation podcast. I'm your host, Ty Daubert. Um, as always, we are here on a Wednesday, recording this on Tuesday night. Um, this is probably the second half of the podcast. We have a very special guest on for you guys, and we're really looking forward to talking to him. But first, I'm going to throw it to my co-host, Johnny Heller. Uh, Johnny, what's going on? You looking forward to this interview or what? Yeah, of course. Been looking forward to it all week. Uh, it's great to talk to Connor last time i don't know that was what november yeah even that, october that I was think, i think it was one of it was like our fourth episode so maybe yeah, i might have been october. like our second episode it was it was early but yeah looking De- forward to it. definitely earlier but um like johnny hinted at there we will be talking <laughs> to connor hinchliffe uh he was um a undrafted signee by the phillies last june He's a Phillies prospect. He was in Rookie League last year looking to go into his first training, first spring training this season, and we're very happy to have him on. So, uh, Connor, why don't you introduce yourself real quick to everybody? Uh, we're very happy to have you on. I appreciate it, guys. Phillies Nation, what's up? Uh, Ty and uh, Johnny, I appreciate you guys having me on again. Uh, last time I had a great time, so hopefully uh, we'll keep it going this time. But um, Kind of getting back to my kind of story, which I had on the last podcast, obviously. But uh, I played baseball at high school in Pottsville, Pennsylvania, which is about two hours away from Philly. Got a uh, an offer to play uh, locally in Philly at LaSalle University, which is mid-major D1. Played there a um, bunch of positions. Played outfield, uh, catcher, and then pitched towards the end of my uh, career. And then luckily got picked up by the Phillies as an undrafted sign and had my first season this summer. And um, this is my first off season going about training and heading towards spring training. So I'm really looking forward to, to, uh, to getting towards spring training and getting down to Clearwater. But I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. But I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, no problem. We're definitely very excited to have you on. Before we get into the real questions about your off season. And things like that. We just want to start with something a little more lighthearted. So me and Johnny, we were hanging out this weekend. Johnny pulled out his GameCube, and we played MVP Baseball 
2005, I want to know, is that a video game that you played when you were growing up, or did you have any other baseball video <laughs> games that you like to play? Uh, GameCube, definitely. Um, I can't speak on MVP baseball, actually, but uh, one of my favorites growing up was um, um, Mario Baseball. That was that was more of a cartoonish one, but that was I think that was my favorite baseball one growing up. Yeah, the Mario Super Sluggers. I, I liked that one, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was a classic. For sure, for sure. Yeah, for the for the record, I, I did beat Ty. Um, <laughs> I'm so. sure I'm sure you did. I we played three games. Johnny won the series. I took the first one, then dropped two. Yeah, um, he was up. He was up I'm, ten to one in the second game, and I just I'm just pumped know. that uh, that PlayStation and, or Sony and Microsoft got an agreement that the uh, the show can now come to Xbox. So I know that a lot of people with 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 Xbox have been missing out on a good baseball game, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, for sure. And then you know, maybe in a couple of years, once you get on the forty man, you'll be you'll be <laughs> in the game, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully, one that, step at a time, though. For Video sure, video games come last. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I guess we got that out of the way. That little lighthearted start, and now we can really get into oh, some yeah. of the questions about your off season. Uh, before I let Johnny ask the first question. You, um, you've been posting some videos. You're actually in Washington right now working out at the driveline facilities in Kent. Um, Correct. So, Johnny, why don't you get into the questions uh, about Connor's offseason? Yeah, so just, you know, with, with driveline, um, who specifically there have you been working with and, and what have they been, have they been, you know, altering your mechanics or what exactly have they been doing to, to help you this offseason? So the whole uh, driveline kind of connection started with this summer with um, Eric Jagers, who was an assistant uh, minor league pitching coordinator with us uh, down at Clearwater. So I kind of got in his back pocket, knew that he was from driveline and he was more of an analytical um, weighted ball, edgertronic video type of guy coming from driveline. So I kind of got in his back pocket and whenever I could pick his brain or throw on the cameras or anything down there, I did. So it started with him in the off season. I was contacting him a lot, getting him to uh, send me some throwing programs and stuff like that, that I could do at home while I wasn't, you know, out in Washington, but while I was actually in Philly uh, working out at a local facility uh, called Maple Zone Sports Institute. So I'm going back and forth with him the whole off season with throwing programs and weighted balls and all that stuff um, until he recently accepted a new position with the Reds, which uh good luck to him in the future but but not but pretty sad that that i lost him he was a really really smart guy and i loved working with him so um basically i was just thinking to myself you know why not why not actually go out there and get and get the real deal and go out to the facility so um it lucked out that i made some money and stuff and was able to afford to come out here and all logistics kind of worked out and i'm out here now which is great um i'm working with um Stephen Hart, who is the my throwing assigned throwing trainer, which uh, he's been amazing so far, and just the assessment process that they have here, just wrapping up everything in strength, mobility, throwing, mechanics, all that stuff has just been it's been awesome and really eye opening. So I'm looking forward to uh, to going about my next couple of weeks and seeing where I'm at when I leave. But I'm really looking forward to it. It's been a great experience so far. Yeah, um, you you said to me you just posted. Uh, a video of it as well. Your goal for this off season was you wanted to hit 95 miles an hour. Like I said, you posted the video. You finally got to that threshold. So what was it like to kind of work your way up to being able to throw 95? Uh, and, you know, what was the process into getting up that high? 
Um, I think a lot, a lot goes into building velocity than more people would assume. You know, I see a lot of people posting stuff online, like asking people like, oh, you know, how'd you gain velocity? Not, not to me, but just to people in general. Like, you know, what was the one thing that helped? What, you know, what happened here? What, what happened there? You know, what was the one thing that, that helped you gain velocity? But there's so much that goes into it. Like, you know, a lot of guys aren't as, as fortunate as I am where I had, I had four months of off season to focus on mobility, to take, to rest my arm after the season, to work on strength, to put five days a week in the weight room, to get my body weight up, to do everything that can basically, I can put into the equation of being able to build velocity. So, um, honestly, the main thing that I would have to say, um, that can help the most people and is kind of the lowest hanging fruit is just getting stronger while still maintaining, uh, you know, the proper amount of mobility, you know, you don't want to get too big and too bulky and tighten up and everything. But I think if I had to tell someone the main thing to focus on in terms of gaining velocity would just get, would just be to get stronger. Because I know I left, I uh, reported to the Phillies at 187, I think, which is, which is very light. And I was pretty light after the season, my college season. So, and now I'm at almost like 210 pounds. So I put on a lot of weight, got stronger. And, you know, just followed um, a throwing routine and, you know, that all those variables kind of go together and, and, and go together to make, you know, progress in, in terms of velocity. How do you, uh, how do you think that the uptick in velocity will translate to your game once the season starts? Um, I mean, it, it can, it can't hurt. You know, I, right. I was a guy last year that, you know, obviously I just transferred to the mound from a position player. So um, I, I really, my velocity wasn't great, to be honest. I started this season, I was mostly like 88 to 91, top 92, which we all know that in the major leagues, there's not a ton of guys consistently throwing 88 to 92. And if there are guys that throw 88 to 92, they have insane control, insane off speed. You know, you think, you look at a guy like, you know, Zach Grinke, who doesn't throw that hard, but look, you, you don't understand the type of movement and control that he has to where, you know, especially being an undrafted guy going into spring training, like I really need to show up and turn some heads. And I think the easiest way to do that was to, um, you know, improve my velocity. And I think, you know, it's not just going to stop there. Like I'm going to obviously continue to work on my control, my off speed and everything like that. But the way the game's going, the harder you throw, the better. And if you don't understand that, then you're not really paying attention because you look at the guys who throw nowadays, they're all they're all mid 90s. So it's not that uncommon anymore. Um, I I have one quick question for you. So, um, obviously you're aware that you think you need to get your velocity up a little bit. Is there a, like a, like a final, you know, threshold you want to get to that you think if you can be around this number consistently, that'll make your path to the major leagues easier. So is there like, you know, you want to be at 96 consistently or something like that? Um, I mean, honestly, I don't really think there is a threshold. I think, as long as you can try to throw as hard as you can while still, you know, keeping your arm healthy, still, you know, keeping control, stuff like that, and you can pitch effectively at where you're throwing it. I mean, there's no reason why, you know, you don't, you wouldn't want to throw 100. Why wouldn't I? You know what I mean? As long as I can still pitch effectively, I would, I'm trying to, everyone's trying to throw as hard as I can, you know, and, and increase their velocity as much as possible. But there's obviously a threshold where, you know, I'm sure there's guys that can throw 95 if they're just throwing the ball as hard as they can, but they like to throw a little bit slower so they can maintain accuracy and stuff like that. So 
I think it's still a learning process. You know, I haven't, I obviously still haven't pitched a lot in my career and this is the first time I've been throwing harder. So it's going to take a little bit to, you know, iron out that kind of stuff and really like actually learn how to throw hard for strikes and, you know, throwing the ball where I want it as hard as I can. Yeah. So, so like you said, reaching 95 was your, was your goal and you, you reached that goal. Um, are there any other, you know, specific goals that you're looking to reach, uh, before the off season is over? Yeah. Um, I, uh, definitely want to, um, get my control better. I, I, I joked, you guys, uh, retweeted my video and there was a lot of people saying like, Oh, you know, that's going all over the place. He's going to hurt somebody and stuff like that, which I had a nice chuckle at because the first pitch was obviously nowhere near the plate, which I, I agree. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, my control wasn't great last year. So I want to go into spring training with a lot of confidence. Cause I think a lot of that had to do with not necessarily not having control where the ball's going, but kind of pitching scared and not trusting my stuff. So I think getting my velocity up will kind of increase my confidence and know that, you know, I can throw my stuff over the plate and be confident in it and it won't get hit. So I think that's those two kind of go hand in hand with I think my my control, my accuracy will go up as my velocity goes up because I won't be as scared or I'll be I'll be more confident in my 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 pitches, basically. Do you think that, um, you know, the fact that you haven't been a pitcher for very long do you think that kind of means something uh, for as much as, like, you think you have more room to grow? Maybe some of the guys that, uh, you know, were signed or drafted the same time as you, they've been really pitchers their whole life. They've been working so hard uh, to be pitchers. But for you, you were probably working to on hitting or, or being the best catcher you could be. So do you think because you have, you know, not a ton of pitching experience, like you said, that you – kind of see yourself as having maybe a higher ceiling and a lot more room to grow and that could help you as you um you know your career goes a little farther yeah I think uh in terms of me transitioning to the mound and not having a lot of experience I think that um was was an advantage and a disadvantage you know there's a disadvantage to not having the career amount of uh, innings that you know the other guys have where they have a lot more experience actually pitching and competing on the mound but where I like to view it as, and I think this is kind of how the Phillies viewed it when they took a shot on me was, you know, I think that because I don't have that experience, I have so much more room to grow. And, um, you know, going into the offseason, I kind of took that as an advantage because I thought to myself, you know what, if I'm only, if I'm here after doing a year of pitching, you know, I, I'd love to see where I'm at after another year and another year after that. And I think that's why um, the sudden increase in velocity kind of, wasn't really that much of a shock to me, to be honest, because I thought, you know what, I have a fresh arm. I don't have a lot of innings in me. I think that if I really set my mind to it and get my body weight up and get stronger and follow a throwing program, I think I can see some some pretty pretty sudden increases in velocity where, you know, some other guys who, you know, not not that have reached their potential, but have been pitching for years and years and years might not be able to do that so quickly, basically. You know, you, you just mentioned you got a fresh arm and, and you haven't pitched a lot of innings in your career. Is there a, a specific number of innings you plan on pitching this year? Um, honestly, no. I mean, whatever whatever team I'm on and whatever role I'm playing, I'm going to embrace that fully. And if that means that I throw a ton of innings or I throw a little bit amount of innings, I you know, whatever, whenever you're throwing in a professional game, it's it's meaningful. And you're out, you're out there trying to, you know, put your team in the best position to win. So... 
Uh, in terms of reaching a number of innings, I wouldn't really say that there's a, a certain number that I'm trying to get to. Um, you mentioned to me uh, when I spoke to you before we recorded, you said that um, a few other guys in the Phillies organization went out to driveline with you um, and were working out there. So who are some of the people from the Phillies organization, like the uh, Phillies prospects that are working at driveline right now? And do you think it's beneficial to be working with some guys that could be your teammates either this year in whatever level you end up or maybe, you know, at some point down the road? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, right out here now, there is um, Brian Marconi, who's a left-hander, who this is his first year as well. There's Brandon Kedlinski, who's a left-handed pitcher as well. Uh, I ran into Damon Jones, who was in AAA for the, for the uh, Iron Pigs this year. He's a left-handed pitcher. He was out here for a little bit. Albertus Barber, another teammate, uh, a bunch of first-year guys other than Damon. Uh, Albertus trains out here a lot in the offseason. So, um, yeah, being out here with those guys, I mean, it can only make us better. You know, we're in there every single day pushing each other to get better. Um, you know, team chemistry-wise, it can't hurt. You know, we're, gonna, we're spending a lot more time. I mean, I'm living with Brian now. You know, that can only help team chemistry-wise. But I think the main thing is getting around those guys in the gym, and we're all in there pushing each other to be better. Um, it's really helping us out a lot. Cool. So as you, as you know, we talked about earlier, this is going to be your, your first spring training in professional ball. So when, when do you report down to Clearwater and, and what are you looking to, to get out of your first spring training? Um, so I'm in, I'm out here in Washington until February 21st, and then I'll have about a week or so at home and then I'll report to Clearwater the beginning of March. Um, Looking forward to spring training, um, I'm not exactly sure what to expect. I know that it's a lot of work, and you're going to put a lot of work in there, but I view that as just a, a challenge, and it's only going to make us better. So spring training, I'm just ex, you know expecting to, to show up and compete and you know try to make a team. That's just the way it is. There's so many players, and there's only enough spots, and I'm just looking to show up and learn a lot and, and compete and hopefully throw well and end up in a, on a good team so that's all I can all I can really hope for do you have any expectation as to or hopes <clears> as to what level you might end up with um, and what are some of your goals that you have going into your first full season of professional ball um, honestly in terms of you know getting placed on a certain team or whatnot um, I honestly try not to think about that too much because I know that there's only so much that I can control and things that I can control are, you know, showing up to the field every day, working hard, being confident, pitching confident and getting outs. So, you know, the rest of, you know, them placing on me, me on a team and stuff like that, that's kind of out of my out of my hands once I'm off the mound and stuff like that. So, you know, wherever they place me, I know that I know that that's where they want me to be. And I'll, you know, work my butt off to get to another level above that. And, you know, along the way, we're still trying to win games and everything like that. So. Um, I have faith in our, in our system and our farm director, Josh Bonifay, the Hill, he'll put me at a, at a level that's appropriate. And then once I get there, I'll work hard and we you know we'll see what happens. Awesome. Connor, that's, that's pretty much all we have for you, uh, this time around. We really appreciate you coming on again and we definitely hope to have you on again sometime, maybe during the season or during an all-star break or something like that. So, uh, thank you once again. Another really good interview with you. Hope you had a good time. All right. Awesome, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for asking me to come on again. 
you can listen to the Phillies Nation podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller every Wednesday on philliesnation.com and all streaming services.